From the West Coast to the coast of Lake Minnetonka. This is the Coast to Coast NBA podcast. I'm Chalanga. And I'm Dylan. What's up, Dylan? Are you, uh, are you washing yourself in the waters? Are you cleansing, purifying yourself in the waters? In the waters in the, of Great Lake Minnetonka? Yes, I am. <laughs> There's a bunch of white people staring at me. I feel like get out or something. Hey, you know what? Uh, Chris, uh, what's his face, lives over there, too. Isn't he? Maybe he is white, too. The guy who was married to Kim Kardashian. Oh, yeah, he's white. Chris Humphreys. Chris Humphreys? Oh, he's white, too. Yeah. yeah he, is, he is white, isn't he? He looks like he looks like Jake from uh, Twilight. I bet um, Kevin Garnett probably lived on Lake Minnetonka. Oh, for sure. No doubt. He's got to have... He, I bet he still has a, a cabin or something there. Oh, for sure. But, uh, yeah, let me hop out this water really quick so we could do this pod. Uh, I just had to, you know... It must be pretty cold. Yeah, I had to take a dip in in a cold bath because I was getting a little too... um, Excited. Yeah, let's put it that way. I was getting too excited for these wolves, Dylan. I've been in a cold shower myself. It was such a good Spurs game. Yeah, it was a Spurs game. So the wolves are are looking good. They're 3-1. and since we last spoke, we had an overtime win against the Warriors. Very exciting. Wiggins came through. Shouldn't have gotten to that point. It was pretty embarrassing how we weren't we were not playing defense no, on the perimeter. No. And it was embarrassing for us. But once again we survived a fifty point performance by a point guard in overtime. Thanks and to overtime. Oh my the god. The heroic efforts of Andrew Wiggins. Uh then <sighs> We played a super weird game against the Nuggets where the Wolves went 6 of 45 from 3. But that was almost the exact kind of ugly win that a great team plays. Like, that, to me, was more exciting than the Warriors' almost loss. Yeah, and you know what? Does that make sense? Yeah, I do. It does make sense. And it was really tough to watch Towns in the fourth quarter clank like three threes in a row that he took. And I was really hoping to just see him get inside and use his post game uh, because, you know, he, as good of a three-point shooter he, as he is, he's just as good of a post scorer. And, you know, it would have been really nice to see him do that and come through in that way. Um, but the Wolves did force overtime after being down like 16. They came back in the fourth quarter, held the Nuggets scoreless at 90 for like half of the fourth quarter, forced overtime, and lost on a crazy difficult high-arcing fader by Nikola Jokic. Fade away, mid-range. He's done, I feel like he's done that about five times for game winners. Yeah, he He's is, definitely done it more than once. He's a pretty clutch player, and he did it twice in a week last week, once against the Sixers. And then against us, um, so you know, I'm. I'm Was that pro- another mid-range fadeaway against the Sixers? I didn't see that. It wasn't quite a fadeaway. So Paul George got it to him from the corner, and there was like a second left, and he Wait, just kind of got it to him. Paul Millsap. Uh, oh, I see. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. The other Paul. Um, the other six nine Paul. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, it was kind of a leaner. He didn't. It wasn't like a full-on fade like that, but it was a high arcing kind of like you know, Hail Mary shot um, from about 22 feet and he sunk it and beat the Sixers. 
so that was a pretty amazing back-to-back performance by Jokic. Uh, but I'm proud of the Wolves. In terms of clutch, yeah. Not, not in terms of his overall performance. I feel like Cat outperformed him, and the next day outperformed Drummond. But one thing I wanted to point out about the uh, Nuggets game was that this is what we asked for. The Wolves are doing the what right, right? Even in terms of clanking a bunch of threes and uh, just putting him up, right? Mm-hmm. This is what we asked for. What we need to learn is the win. And I think that comes with experience. I think eventually we will learn how and when to barbecue chicken with towns. And that's the important thing. And that's un- really undiscovered, uncharted territory, basically, in terms of what Carl Anthony Towns actually is. Like, Kevin Durant is not barbecue chicken in the same way that uh carl anthony towns is you know carl's just a bigger body so learning when to use his strength and his body uh over his shot is going to be the difference between the wolves losing in the first round and maybe hopefully someday making a deep run in the playoffs in the next couple years well you know it's it part of it is running the system right so they came out and they were clanking threes but they had to keep shooting threes and when you're running that type of system the more threes you miss the more threes you have to take to account for that those missed threes but when you're when you're tied at the end of the game you need to barbecue chicken you know yeah. When when you're when you're going into overtime or when like the the shot that that we decided to take was an Andrew Wiggins 3 tied at 100, right? Right. Am I wrong about that? Tied at 90. Oh, sorry. Tied at 90 when uh we were about to go into overtime. That yeah. should have been a Towns post up 10 times out of 10. We need to know like when and how to get the ball to Towns at the end of games like that so he can win the game for us down low. And there were a few times Especially that game two points. I remember too where Wiggins got the switch onto Jokic and instead of taking him in, he decided to try to shoot the three over him, which really it, it just really frustrates me when guards get a big man on them and they just settle for the three. Uh, because you just have to take the big man, especially someone as slow as Jokic. You have to take him off the dribble and try to get oh, to the yeah. basket. Um, that's just kind of that's that's a basketball essential. Um, but anyway, tough loss against the Nuggets. Then they came back the next day in a back to back. Came out on fire. They shot 15 of 34 this time from three, and uh, that's 44 percent, and beat the Pistons. Uh, 120 to 114. The Pistons did shoot 16 of 32 from three. Um, thanks in part Which to they do against us. Yep. that's what they do. Thanks in part <laughs> to huge efforts from Luke Kennard Luke and Kennard. Tony Snell, as well as Langston Galloway. Oh uh, my God, those guys! I didn't. I thought those guys were supposed to be out of the league by now. I know it's crazy, right? Um, Blake Griffin had 19 points in 24 minutes, but the Wolves held strong and pulled out a win. Uh, that brought the Wolves to six and four on the season, and then tonight, I think that level team seemed like a playoff team in the East. the The Detroit Pistons with twenty four minutes out of Blake Griffin that looked like a playoff team, and it was really impressive that the Wolves on not only on a back to back, but on a back to back where we played in an overtime game, the Wolves came out and. By the end of the first quarter, they were ahead by 12-plus points. Let me just check that out. Yeah, by the end of the first quarter, they were ahead by 15. 41-26 was the score at the end of the first. The Wolves were up. And 
that's tough to do on a back-to-back. But what's even tougher to do is to keep that up. And they were able to come up with a win, and it wasn't necessarily that much of a nail-biter either. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty solid win. I felt the whole time like the Wolves were going to win. The score does not reflect how uh, how dominant the Wolves were. There were a few moments where it felt like Luke Kennard was maybe going to pull the the Pistons back in the game. A rabbit out of his hat? Yeah. But uh, the, Wolves, the Wolves held strong. This is exactly the type of game that the Wolves would have lost as old Wolves, but these are new Wolves. <laughs> Literally, that was the first time we beat the Pistons in how many years? Like three years or something like that? Feels like it. I think that they mentioned that on the broadcast. I oh, guess, really? Uh, yeah. Like 2015 or something like that, or 2016 was the last time we beat the Pistons. Wow. I was watching a Detroit broadcast and i don't i don't i don't remember them watching it but or mentioning it but uh yeah so then tonight the wolves came out and put the hammer to the san antonio spurs beating them 129 to 114 it was a super super easy win for the wolves they looked like the far better team uh they shot the three really well they were 11 for 34 so i guess they shot the three okay that's 32 percent um but they were getting to the basket. Uh, they were getting to the free so three free throw line. They took thirty four free throws this game, um, compared to the twenty nine of of the uh, San Antonio Spurs. So it was a big time foul game. I remember both teams were in the bonus by like eight and a half minutes left in the third quarter. Um, so that's where a lot of those free throws came from. I am very excited that we beat the Spurs. Uh, the Spurs are a great team. They're going to be near five hundred, I'm sure, at the end of the season as long as they don't have too many injuries to DeRozan and L.A. and some of their more important guys, Rudy. I do think the Spurs play into the Wolves' strengths, though. They were they were five? Wait, what were they? Oh, no, they were three of 17 from three, shooting at 17.6%. Yeah. The Spurs not only are not going to try to shoot themselves back in the game, but they're just not going. They can't. They're not going to try because they can't. Yeah, they've really only got two shooters on their team in Patty Mills and Bryn Forbes. And, you know, Rudy Gay at times. Rudy Gay looked like he was trying to will the the Spurs back into this game for a little bit. Yeah, but he was still 0-1 from downtown. And mm-hmm. I think the Wolves lose when they get flustered, when other teams are getting hot from the three-point line. That's what i've noticed this season is how we've lost like that's how we almost lost that golden state game was they just started draining threes and draining shots that they don't necessarily i don't know what normal is because this team is so weird now the warriors but uh when teams just start draining shots and i think that that gets in the head of the timberwolves sometimes but the wolves are sixth in two-point field goal percentage and 28th in three-point field goal percentage so when a team that specializes and not only specializes but can only shoot twos basically is playing the wolves, I mean it just it makes it so much easier for the wolves to not have to to be able to stay active but not have to run across the court. And I think that their closeouts on threes have been horrible this season and it just wasn't taken advantage of here. And I think that that's maybe the difference between the Spurs and the Timberwolves and maybe why the Timberwolves have, have had such good success against the Spurs in the last two seasons, really. Like last season, we beat them by what, 50? What was it? Something like that, 40? Yeah, we beat them by a lot. I was really impressed with the Wolves rebounding this game. 
they won the rebounding battle only by three boards, um, but those three boards came on the offensive side of the ball. So they, oh, yeah. you know, Jake Lehman. Oh, what I noticed from Jake Lehman today is that he was always battling on free throws to try to get that missed free throw tip. He was doing it all game, and he finally did it oh, in the yeah. fourth quarter. It was he would, amazing. He had active hands all game, like even in like getting steals and all that stuff. I mean, how many steals did he actually end up with? He ended up with two steals, but mm-hmm. just the active hands of this team is so exciting to watch. It's yeah. like everybody has absorbed part of what Robert Covington is, but now we are literally five players on the court trying to keep our hands active while other teams are making passes that aren't uh, smart. Yeah, yeah. It's really so. amazing. And I just want to go back. I want to... I'm, I made a mistake. So the Spurs were actually out-rebounded by six. It was 50-44. to 44. Three defensive rebounds more for the Wolves and three offensive rebounds more for the Wolves. I just wanted to correct that. Even better. Even mm-hmm. better. Everybody was staying active. Everyone was not what not just ball watching, but mm-hmm. watching where the ball was going to go. So, uh, and that was great. There were still some backdoor cuts that they missed, but it's tougher to uh, get beat on backdoor cuts when guys aren't standing out to the three-point line because we're not afraid of them shooting the threes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Our main thing we want to highlight is is Andrew Wiggins because we are just so impressed. Andrew Wiggins had a hell of a game. Andrew Wiggins had a hell of a first 11 games of the season. Yeah. I mean, the last four in particular have been pretty stellar ever since the Warriors game. I mean, he's led the team in assists twice. I'm going to read this off to you. So there are a total of six players who have led the Timberwolves in assists, which I think just shows like how diverse our offense is, how many players can run our offense and how versatile our offense is. Like there are different players getting passes to players in so many different parts of the court. And I think that's so exciting. Jeff Teague has led the lead, or has led the team three times. Shabazz Napier two and a half times. Cat has led two times. Wiggs has led two times now. Jarrett Culver has led the team once. And Gorgie Jang tied Shabazz Napier with four assists, I believe, in the Wizards game. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love that. Listen to this uh, five-game stretch. This is since the Milwaukee game. All right? So this includes the Milwaukee game. Andrew Wiggins has averaged 30 points, uh, four rebounds, four and a half assists, one and a half blocks and one and a half turnovers on 51% shooting and 39% from three. Is that including today? That is including. No, that's not including today. Yeah, that was the last five games before today. So if we add in today, which his stat line today was 30 points. It was crazy. He had 37 assists and eight rebounds. And only two turnovers. Oh, the best stat of all. He looked amazing today. He looked three stocks too, two steals, one block. He looked really, really amazing today. Um, he and Carlin he fouled once. That's wild. <laughs> he needs to foul more. That's wild. Um, on the season, according to NBA.com, he is averaging twenty-six points, 
five rebounds and 3.6 assists per game. Is that including this game? That is 11 games on the season. There's yep, seven and four. That's tonight. including this game. Yep. And he's shooting 36% from three, f- almost 48% uh, overall on the field, and 73.6% from the free throw line, which is up from the last two seasons, which is good. So we got to thinking, how likely is it that Andrew Wiggins makes an all-star team this year? Oh, my God. Right, right now, it's looking pretty good. Right now, it's looking pretty good. So we kind of broke it down into our... All-star team locks are all-star team probable players and then the players that Wiggins has to beat. So the math works out that there's the starting lineup is always two backcourt players and three frontcourt players. Then, most likely, there's going to be two more backcourt players and three more frontcourt players as sort of a second unit just based on how the voting works. And then we figure the last three are kind of a uh, it's a wild card, but it's most likely going to be one more backcourt player and two more frontcourt players, which means there's going to be uh, eight frontcourt players from the West in the All-Star game. And Andrew Wiggins, according to Basketball Reference, has played 70% of his minutes at the three and I think f- 5% at the four or something like that. Yeah. So we're going to assume that Andrew Wiggins is going to be included with the front court. Although the way he's been playing offense, he's looked like a backcourt player. So we'll see what happens in the voting, but let's just as- assume what basketball reference has said in terms of the play by play. So if he is a front court player, he's the locks are LeBron James, Anthony Davis and Kawhi Leonard. Chances are Andrew Wiggins is not going to get more votes than any of those players. I, I feel pretty chances. Co- I feel pretty confident in that. Then our next group is the probable all-star bids. That is Carl Anthony Towns, Nikola Jokic, and Paul George. Jokic has not looked great to start the season, but based on his pedigree and the international vote, I I really imagine that he'll be in. And Paul George has not played a game yet this season, but I'm not going to bet against Paul George in LA's chances to make the all-star game certain certainly not yet so that leaves two front court spots and it to me it feels like one of those is for Wiggins here's who he's got to beat Chris Tapps Porzingis who thus far has been looking less than great he's averaging like 18 points per game he doesn't really look like the Chris Tapps he's a spot-up shooter he's not scoring down low yeah I mean I don't know if he ever was scoring that much down low, but he's definitely not the rim protector that he was when he was in New York. Yeah, he looks more like a uh, role player than he does a superstar um, at this point. He's averaging 18 points, 8 rebounds, and 1 assist. He's shooting 40% from the field, 68% from the free throw line, 37.5% from behind the arc. So not amazing numbers. Then we've got Brandon Ingram, who has had a really, really amazing start to the season. I've been very impressed by his play, but his problem is the Pelicans he stink. can't win. The Pelicans stink. He's averaging... And how much... Oh, go ahead. What was I... I feel like I was saying this at the beginning of the year to you and Troy in our preview. I was like, Brandon Ingram's going to look really good. And he's going to put up numbers, but... 
I just never felt like he was giving the Lakers a better chance to win, even when he was scoring. Yeah, he's one of those empty, empty stats players, empty calories. He's like what Andrew Wiggins used to be. Uh, he's got he's averaging twenty six points, seven rebounds, four assists on fifty three percent shooting, forty seven percent from three. So he looks super good. The problem is, I was <clears throat> gonna say Jimmy Butler without the defense. <laughs> You're funny. Um, the problem is his team is not winning. Those, to me, feel like the two biggest ones that Andrew Wiggins has to beat. And I think for sure, based on stats, he's in over Porzingis, no question. I mean, if it ended today, I think he's fourth. I think he's ahead of Jokic and Paul George and both of those guys. Well, yeah, if it ended today. But, I mean... Jokic has played all those games. I know he's playing himself into shape, but he's got to get into shape if he wants to make the All-Star game. Paul George is also going to have to get into shape if he wants to make the All-Star game. So we'll see. We haven't seen Paul George play yet, but I'm sure that it's going to... I think it's going to be a a process getting Paul George back into shape. And I don't know if he'll ever get into like first-team All-NBA shape again, but... yeah. Yeah, you know, we'll All-NBA is a whole nother thing. But just for reference, Jokic is averaging 17 points, 9 rebounds, and 6 assists on 43% shooting and 22% from 3. So his numbers are are way down, way, way, way down um, compared to last year. But, you know, it that 6-assist number is going to help him as, you know, as his offense gets into shape. Uh, what about Andrew Wiggins' 6 assists? <laughs> uh, 6 assists, what? tonight <laughs> i mean andrew wiggins is averaging five assists this year a he's, game. he's averaging less than four i thought he was averaging over four. Oh, you that was the last uh five games that he's been averaging 4.8 yeah, yeah yeah but andrew wiggins has been averaging less than two turnovers and you know who's been averaging 2.5 turnovers a game Jokic. ah Jokic. um so to me it feels like Andrew Wiggins has a really good shot. The only other players that he has to beat out that, you know, could make a push as the season goes on, Rudy Gobert, DeMar DeRozan, uh, LaMarcus Aldrich, and Danilo Gallinari. Now, Gobert is an interesting case because he is an ex- he's one of the best defenders in the league. However, he doesn't score at all. And, you know, he plays in Utah, small market. He's the... Second best player on the team, like a clear second best player on Utah. I think the untouchable player is Donovan Mitchell in Utah, right? Yeah, and you know it's it's hard for <clears throat> it's hard for a team to get two All Stars. So like I acknowledge that it's going to be hard for the Wolves to get two All Stars, but scoring kind of matters in the All Star game. And if Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns are both averaging you know twenty five plus, and the Wolves are competitive, makes me think like the think that the Wolves could have two All-Stars this year. If Andrew Wiggins is averaging over 25 points and on similar shooting splits as what he is right now, I think he's a lock for the All-Star game. Yeah, if, if this play continues, it's no question. The question is just whether he can string together this play for a significant amount of time. Well... The thing is also is that like we're looking at his season long numbers and they're enough right now, like his season long numbers and the first five games of the season or so 
he looked horrible. So that's why I'm optimistic that he's going to hopefully, even if this is uh, an insane lights out stretch for Andrew Wiggins, that like what we've seen before, that maybe he'll find a happy medium even. And even if he can find that happy medium and average what he has averaged this season, not in terms of like the last five games or the first five games, but finding the middle of that, I still think that he is an all-star game lock. Dude, I'm with you. I'm all in on the all on the Andrew Wiggins all-star game bandwagon. <laughs> I'll be voting for him a million times, uh, and I'm sure you will too. Uh, oh, so yeah. looking forward, our next four games this week, we've got Friday, the Wizards are coming into town, then we're we're back-to-back, the Rockets are coming into town, I will be at that game, uh, then Monday in Utah against the Jazz, and then the Jazz are coming to us on Wednesday, so we got a tough stretch here, uh, you know, I'm hoping for two and two, if we can, you know, be, we should beat the Wiz, and if we can get one of those games against the Jazz... I will be very happy, and I'm just hoping for a good game against the Rockets. I'm excited to watch this Okogie-James Harden matchup once again. Yeah, uh, one thing on Josh Okogie very quickly, I just hope Josh Okogie gets a little bit less aggressive because we saw it again today. He was giving up free throws, or he gave up a fourth free throw or a fourth point to Patty Mills on a three-point attempt again, and he just needs to be careful when fighting around screens and learn how to Stop. <laughs> he needs to learn how to stop. Yeah, and he's getting uh, himself into foul trouble early too, which is you know uh, trouble. Same thing. Yep. You know he's just being too aggressive, a little bit, a little bit zealous, a little overly zealous with his energy still. Yeah. And uh, we love you, Josh. And if you can somehow hone that athletic ability, it'll be amazing. But even near the basket, I saw some freaking crazy drives and yeah. crazy like layup attempts that i was like those aren't going in whatsoever at least try to get fouled rather than like fall down and pray right so the good thing about this rockets matchup is that eric gordon will not be playing which severely limits you know that takes away one of the few players that uh are nba rotational level players that the rockets have um and we've got a lot of bodies to throw at james harden in Josh Okogi, Robert Covington, Jarrett Culver, even Travian Graham, Jarrett Culver. So I mean, it's not going to be an easy game for James Harden. I think the Wolves are going to, you know, push him to to really exert himself. But the other thing is, I love this Teague off the bench thing. I just really love having an offense that is smart and doesn't make mistakes coming off the bench. Yeah, I I was really into that. I was really into that. <laughs> I've been pushing this since day one of this preseason, by the way. If Andrew Wiggins can continue the level of play he's at and you know continue to handle the ball the way that he's been handling the ball, I think Teague off the bench makes a whole lot of sense. And I think what I've been saying was since our preview was we need one you need one point three point guards on the court at all times. You need at least one person who's competent and then a third of a person who is competent at least getting the ball to the right spot, right? And what we've what we've learned is it's Wiggins, Culver, and Covington all sharing that duty. And Cat. 
Yeah. And Cat. Cat's led led the team in assists twice. I know Covington hasn't even led the team in assists. So like if you have Cat, Wiggs, and Culver all contributing a fourth of a point guard to be a fourth of a point guard, that's enough for your starting rotation, I think. Yeah. I'm and and it's 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 a cool it's a cool lineup because it's a it's a four positional switch. It you feels know, really futuristic. If, with it's a five positional switch with Cat, I well, think. But they don't. But they don't switch with Cat because he plays a drop down pick and right, roll right. defense. But then the you know the rest of the the rest of the wings are switching. But anyway, uh, I'm hoping for two and two in this stretch. If the Wolves can go three and one, I'm like, I don't know. I'm gonna need to stay in Lake Minnetonka for a little longer. If the Wolves go three and one in this stretch, I want to say one thing about the Rockets that I'm nervous about. Uh, the perfect antidote, one of the perfect antidotes, other than Bam Adebayo for Carl Anthony Towns, is Clint Capella. And Clint Capella is just, he's an agile, big body that can make his way out to the three-point line when he needs to, which is the trick that the Wolves used in order to get to the basket and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, either he comes out, cat passes, or whatever, you know? That spreading the floor against Capella isn't as successful as maybe some other centers, including tonight. I think even LaMarcus Aldridge or Jakob Pertl. Uh, I think that we're probably at more of an advantage against them spreading the floor than we are against the Rockets. Oh, yeah. Right? Those guys can't defend on the perimeter at all, dude. LaMarcus Aldridge so, looks like a goddamn stick out there. So that's what I'm nervous about with the Rockets. Whereas with the Jazz, I do think, and this does happen in the playoffs, I do think Rudy Gobert, if Cat gets hot from behind the arc, which he's going to have to in order to beat the Jazz, I think that's going to be one of the keys to the game. One of the Jim Pete keys to the game is Cat <laughs> getting hot behind the arc so that Gobert has to come out. And if Gobert comes out, that game opens up. And maybe Gobert will have to come off the court. And if Gobert has to come off the court, they don't have a... Derek Favors, they don't have much else. Here's what I have. To, here's what I gotta say. This is new wolves. This is new cat. Clint Capella can't do shit against Carl Anthony Towns. Let's go wolves! All right. Thank you for listening to the Coast to Coast NBA podcast. Don't forget to follow us on the socials on Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA on Instagram at Coast to Coast NBA Pod. Uh, send us an email at Coast to Coast NBA Pod at gmail. You know what you did, Tony B. Tony B. You know did uh like us subscribe like us rate us and review us excuse me uh subscribe download and tell your friend shouts to max he sent me a message on instagram telling me that he liked the pod thank you so much he didn't send he didn't send me a message or a coast to coast instagram page a message yeah maybe uh he, he did follow our page though Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. He followed our page. No problem. Shouts to you. Thank you, Max. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, until next time, uh, Dylan, this was great. Yeah. Nice and short, Mm -hmm. I think. 30 minutes. Great. Not bad. All right. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Thank you.